From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe again from you. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. This week, President Joseph Biden designated a new chairman to the Postal Regulatory Commission. Michael Kubianda inherits the PRC gavel from Robert Taub. Taub remains on the PRC as one of its five commissioners. Mike Kubianda formerly was on the staff of the Postal Service Office of Inspector General and on the staff of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Also, Ashley Poling is the new Postal Regulatory Commission vice chair. Ashley Poling was formerly on the staff of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee and on the staff of Senator John Tester of Montana. Another bit of postal news on the postal political news front is that Senator Robert Portman, Republican of Ohio, announced that he will not seek re-election in 2022. Portman is the new ranking uh, Republican member of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. This week on NAPS Chat, we're going to explore the inner workings of the presidential transition as it applies to the United States Postal Service. So I have invited to NAPS Chat Jim Sauber, who served as a member of the President Biden's transition team. Jim is Chief of Staff for the National Association of Letter Carriers, AFL-CIO. First employed as an economist, Jim has been with the NAL since, NALC since 1985. Jim and I worked together at the NALC for six years when I was there, from 1993 through 1999. This is Jim's second visit to NAPS Chat. He last visited with us almost two years ago. Jim, welcome back to NAPS Chat. Thanks, Bob. It's good to be here. Jim, I want to ask you this question because I've asked it to most of our guests, in fact, uh, most recently, and that is, what is your earliest recollection of either receiving or sending mail? Boy, I'm sure I, I, I obviously received cards and things from family members be- before this, but the first time I remember really being excited about mail and, and writing letters and receiving them was when my brother Pat was very close to, was in the military in the late 1960s, uh, he was stationed overseas. He was actually at an Air Force base in Greenland. And um, we we struck up quite a pen pal relationship. And I really, to this day, treasure those letters. Yeah, unlike other forms of communication, letters you can save. <laughs> That's right. Jim, let's move on to uh, the transition. Uh, one week prior to Election Day, Dan Blair, a former Postal Regulatory Commission chairman, joined me on Apps Chat. He joined me within his senior capacity as senior counselor to the Center for Presidential Transition, and he spoke about the transition process. Could you talk a bit about the mission of the Postal Transition Team and what your team's marching orders were? Sure. Well, just to give a broader sense of this, it's a a very, very large effort that starts under federal law. It starts back in, in the summertime. Um, when the, the senior officials of the transition are first appointed, and their goal is to build a team that can um, build a, a sort of an on-ramp to all the various federal agencies. Uh, and there, in our particular case, there were two major groups, domestic policy and, and foreign policy slash national security. And within those large 
groupings. There were agency review teams, uh, ARTs that were set up for all the major agencies. And in our case, um, for the United States Postal Service, there was an art set up uh, just just for that independent agency. Um, the mission, uh, it's quite, the Postal Service is a little different than most federal agencies in that the White House and the president has very little direct control over the Postal Service. And there are very few uh, political appointments, uh, the, the most important being uh, members on the of the Board of Governors, which, which are presidentially appointed uh, positions. But otherwise, there's no transfer of power in the sense that you see in lots of other agencies. There was not a group of incoming political appointees to replace an outgoing set of political appointees, which is more you know, traditional in most other federal agencies. In this case, it was just the, the mission was to inform the incoming administration of the challenges facing this very important agency. After all, it, you know, it does employ about a third of the civilian workforce. It's a really crucial institution to our, our government, to our country. And so the idea was to create uh, a state of the agency memorandum that would inform decision makers and the White House policymakers about the challenges facing the Postal Service and the sort of administrative and legislative tools available uh, to strengthening the Postal Service. Now, Jim, there were four members to the Postal Transition Team. It was yourself, mm -hmm. your team leader, Ron Stroman, who most recently was Deputy Postmaster General, Xavier Briggs, who was at the Office of Management and Budget during the Obama administration, and Anish Chopra, who was formerly Chief Technology Officer of the United States. Could you talk about the skill set that each of you brought to the table and how those skills helped inform the deliberations of the uh, Postal Transition Team? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think it was a very well-balanced team in many respects. You know, Ron uh, Stroman not only had a wealth of experience in the executive team of the Postal Service, he was one of the longest-serving deputy postmaster generals in history, but also Ron had a prior life uh, on Capitol Hill working uh, on, in, on the oversight committee that oversees the Postal Service. Uh, so he had, you know, he recently left that last summer. So he had lots of connections with the top leadership team uh, of the Postal Service, which was very useful for, to our work. Uh, Xavier Briggs um, also was very um, um, useful to the team because he had, he had primary responsibility for postal legislation and postal policy when he served in the Office of Management and Budget. I, I know you and I met with him many mm -hmm. times when he served in that capacity. So he, he had a, a pretty good grounding in the Postal Service. And what he was especially good for was the sort of, uh, sort of the inner workings of how policymaking works in the White House. It's sort of a, when it comes to the Postal Service, it's not just one office you can point to. It's a, it's a collaborative effort between the Office of Personnel Management, um, which you know, oversees the human resources of the government. It's the Office of Management and Budget, which set, sets, you know, in many respects, policies um, that affect the Postal Service. It's the National uh, Economic Council, which sets overall economic policy at a certain macro level. And it's the Domestic Policy Council, um, which develops the administration's uh, uh, positions on not only the Postal Service, but all the various agencies. So Zav's experience in the White House and how that all works was very useful to us and kind of helped us structure the kinds of meetings we did uh, with other parts of the, the of the transition. 
And of course, I, I bring you know 30 years of, of experience uh, in the labor movement and, and in the postal labor movement in, in particular. And I have a pretty good sense of not our, our the relationships with not just the other employee organizations, but all the various stakeholders, the large mailer groups, the, um, all, all the interested parties in the postal service, um, both at the business side and the labor side. And Anish? And Anish, Anish was really, really, I, I, it was a real sort of revelation to me. He, he worked in, as the chief technology officer for the Obama administration. And in fact, when he, during his time in the White House, he really focused on healthcare policy and, and uh, using technology to make the government work better. And I, I found that his skill set was especially useful right now for us because the Postal Service is facing, you know, these major technological changes. And he was very much focused on how do we make the Postal Service more useful to average citizens, to people in rural communities, people in, you know, small businesses who really can't afford, you know, either because where they're located or the size of their business, you know, can't really, don't really get the best deals from, you know, the large private companies that give volume discounts to very large shippers or large mailers and, uh, you know, tend, tend to overlook the, the kinds of folks that the Postal Service serves. And so um, he was especially helpful uh, in, in our work over the last couple of months. What's notable, Jim, and we sort of glossed over it a bit, is that the community relationship within the postal community, how the relationships, how close they are. We, 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 as you said, mentioned, we both met with Zav Briggs when he was in the White House at OMB. I would also mm-hmm. would um, sort of uh, be uh, ignoring the, the fact that uh, the new chairman of the Postal Regulatory Commission, Mike Kubianda, actually worked for uh, Ron Stroman when they both worked on the House Oversight and Reform Committee when Adolphus yeah. Towns was chairman, which is uh, an interesting and a very um, important relationship that uh, probably is recognizable to all of us. Absolutely. It's a, it's a big company and a big institution, but a small postal world, at least mm-hmm. in Washington. Let me ask you, during the deliberations in, uh, of the uh, transition team, was there any communication between the President Biden and the team or the President's senior staff and the team? Yeah, not directly with, with President Biden, but all the senior staffers, the people that you see are getting appointments um, in in the administration, um, were all part of rig- you know, We had uh, two or three times a week we would meet in the leadership team of the transition, and so Ron and I, Ron was the uh, head of our transition team, and I was the deputy head. And so we met quite regularly with uh, folks like Ron Klain, who's now the chief of staff to the president, um, you know, the incoming um, Veterans Affairs um, uh, 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 secretary was also a high, high level official in, in the transition. Um, just a, it was sort of, you know, Susan Rice, who's now the Domestic Policy Council, was part of the transition. So there was a lot of senior. Uh, uh, leaders in uh, in President Biden's team, which really brought brought cohesion and direction to it. There was a you know the overall strategy was quite interesting. The, the, the all the agency review teams were sort of encouraged to do their work to you know present a, a, a you know sort of a, a state of the agency uh, uh, memorandum, but also to look at ways to. To sort of pursue four overriding goals, and the four the four goals were, one, 
are there ways that every agency can contribute to the battle to fight you know climate change? Another one was, is there ways to use these agencies to promote uh, racial healing and uh, racial equity in the country? A third goal was, you know, to, to empower workers. And then the fourth goal was, what can these agencies do to help fight this terrible pandemic that we're facing? So that those overriding themes went throughout the transition. And um, surprisingly enough, the Postal Service has something to offer really in all those areas. So. We, we, it, was very, it was a very useful way to think about how we can use the whole of our government to pursue our country's goals. Let, let, me, let me touch upon that, you know, because the number one issue facing our country today is fight, combating the coronavirus and the log, logistics of vaccine distribution, which seems, mm-hmm. this seems to have been very little planning um, to have gone on, at least up until January 20th. Does the Postal Service, was there any conversation about the Postal Service having a role in vaccine distribution? Not, not so much on the vaccines, because um, as you know, the, the particularly the vaccines that are available right now are, are very, um, they're very difficult to, to transport because they require hyper cold uh, temperatures. So, you know, these are, these are, you know, very difficult things to transport. And so the Postal Service doesn't have a fleet of airplanes. Um, and so they're really relying on the military and the private shippers that have big, big air, air fleets. But also they're relying on specialty companies that have the kinds of deep, deep cold freezers that, that, that will work with these, um, these vaccines. However, there was talk about there, there are other vaccines coming down the line that will, won't require that kind of specialized um, treatment. And so... We could imagine, uh, you know, we, we talked to the Postal Service about their capacity to do drop shipping of those kinds of vaccines or other kinds of, of medicines when they become available. There was also discussions about, you know, the, the distribution of higher quality masks. Um, you know, we're going to, as, as, as much as it, you know, pains us all, we're going to be masking and keeping social distance for most of this year, even after many, many millions of people are, are vaccinated. So getting those materials out to the country and to American households is, is going to be a high priority. So there, there was many discussions about that. And I, I think the Postal Service will become a very important tool uh, in battling this pandemic. Yeah, Jim, since most of the members, if not all the members of the team, were famil- are familiar with the Postal Service, some more than others, when I say some more than others, I'm saying you and Ron and mm-hmm. uh, Zav, what type of information did you seek from the Postmaster General and his subordinate offices at Postal Headquarters to help you, inve- you sort of delve into the issues confronting the Postal Service? Since you, I mean, at least you and Ron are pretty expert on those challenges. Right. Well, what, we've, what we were trying to get a sense of is what the new Postmaster General and in his reorganization plans, you know, what, how exactly that it's going to work. And um, we were particularly interested in, in figuring out how the Postal Service can raise the quality of service um, and, you know, and, and make cost savings at the same time, but doing it in a way that doesn't, you know, damage the, you know, the quality and long-term viability of the Postal Service. So we were, we were really exploring with them, you know, how, how their, um, the new reorganization plan would work. And, and we were especially interested, and this is where Anish Chopra was especially useful, was to figure out how, how well the sort of 
innovation and technology processes built into the operations of the Postal Service. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, for many, many years, the Postal Service has been such, in such a dire financial straits. It's been in sort of a, a crisis mode for basically 13 or 14 years. Uh, and it's been hyper-focused on just surviving, just surviving to the next quarter. And that, that really undermines, you know, planning and investment and sort of, a, you know, long-term strategy on innovation. And so we wanted to see how, you know, how the Postal Service was restructuring and how that could, could be done to improve its ability to, to, to sort of move in a long-term way to get better and to, you know, fill these kind of emerging, need, emerging needs in, 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 the, in the country. And so... I think what the pandemic has proved is, this, is that this is this institution is more essential than ever. Um, it really is sort of the public option when it comes to shipping services. We, we really fill the gaps where private companies can't or won't go. And I think the, it's demonstrated its value um, to the entire country, both not only in helping people shelter in place and function and be able to shop online uh, during the pandemic, but also really stepping up and delivering for the country during the election. Mm -hmm. It's a really an unappreciated story that more than half of all the ballots cast this year were mailed on, were, were cast on mailed out ballots that made it possible for us to have the, one of the largest turnouts in American history in the middle of the pandemic. And I, I, I read something during the, this period that really shocked me. Um, last time we faced something like this was in 1918. And in the elections around the, that period, the two or three election cycles that happened in the run-up to that and the following, voter participation plummeted. It was way down because people, it was just too risky to go stand in line and vote. And that didn't happen in this election. In fact, uh, turnout went way up. And that's, I think we can take a lot of credit for that in the United States Postal Service. Let me turn back to something you started this, con you know, this conversation with uh, a couple of moments ago, and that was... Uh, the challenges and the reorganization the Postmaster General initiated this year, the mm -hmm. new Postmaster General now. There were historical challenges which you related to, for the, which are financial, and then there were more, there were more recent challenges, some mm -hmm. of them self-initiated self challenges by the Postal Service. Was there any discussion about the operational directives made by the Postal Headquarters, which have come under serious scrutiny by key sure. postal policymakers in Congress, including the Speaker, the new Senate Majority Leader and the chairs of the House and Senate committees with jurisdiction over the Postal Service. Yeah, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on the you know the directives that were put out and rescinded um, because by the time we started our work, you know, in in earnest, really in mid October, uh, most of those directives had been rescinded and it was clear that they were not going to come back. You know, initially, the Postmaster General thought that maybe they would re, re, re go down and revisit those issues in, in soon after the election. But it, the Postal Service made the wise decision to wait until after peak and to, you know, slow down and um, and maybe uh, wait until after the first of the year. So those things are coming. I, you know, we do expect them, you know, to announce a plan sometime soon about how they, they, they you know, they they have a ten-year. Uh, sort of revival plan that they're going to unleash and, and share with uh, the leadership of the House and Senate. So we're anxious to see what they have in mind. But the transition, really, we tried to focus on things that could help the Postal Service really in the short term, you know, what kind of 
administrative actions the the White House could take to provide uh, financial relief to the Postal Service and what kinds of legislation we thought uh, the the administration could get behind um, that could actually advance in Congress. So let me let me get back come back to that. Your the Postmaster General and his senior staff did not indicate to you that they would summarily reimpose the uh, the directives that were initiated and then suspended prior to suspended. Yeah, they didn't really make any. You know, uh, I I think I'm just basing them on what was said publicly. You know, at the time. Um, there was no plans to put those exact things back in place. I, I do think the Postmaster General is committed to trying to raise the level of efficiency uh, in our distribution, um, you know, the processing and distribution systems. There's no doubt about that. Um, whether they will go about it the same way, I, I, I you know, I, I think a lot of what happened um, in the summer is just, it was a very confusing time. It's sort of there were lots of things going on, both with the pandemic that was affecting operations, but also, you know, so I think many of those changes were poorly communicated, and a lot of you know district managers sort of took decisions or went in directions that I don't think were anticipated. Um, so uh, hopefully, it was a learning experience for the new management team, the senior management team um, at Lafont Plaza. And hopefully we won't make those mistakes again uh, in the new year. Yeah, I just recall when we were working together uh, years ago when Marvin Runyon made changes, uh, he had to revoke it. It was a learning curve at that point, too. Right. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, it's, and I don't, um, you know, it's I don't envy people who have the challenge of running the Postal Service. It's one of the most complicated institutions in America. It's not like a private company. You have... You know, it's not just where you just have to look after the shareholders' interest. You've got the public interest involved. You've got you know, massive le- levels of oversight because it is a part of our democracy. It's a, it's it's an essential institution of government, and that makes it different. You 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 the, the level of, of of scrutiny and the sort of level of de- the demands uh, on the post service. It's not just about you know, making the most money you can make. You've got to serve this country, meet your all your obligations, and, and provide quality universal service. So it's a big it's a big challenge, no matter what. And I think people coming in from the outside underestimate the, the management challenge involved. Let's talk about management um, a bit. And Dan Blair, when he was on Naps Chat in October, uh, said one of the most crucial roles for the trans- from for any transition team is the recommendation of, for senior leadership positions that are uh, subject to presidential nomination and Senate confirmation. Now, as you and I know, the Postal Board of Governors currently has three vacancies. Did the transition team consider how to fill those vacancies? Yeah, one thing that's different about the agency review team for the Postal Service uh, compared to other agencies is we did not have, in this transition, the Biden administration or the incoming Biden administration had had put together a personnel team uh, at the core of the transition. And those personnel teams, they had a, a representative on most agency review teams, and which makes sense. If you're, you know, got to run the State Department or the Treasury Department, there's lots of secretary, undersecretaries, and assistant secretaries, and deputy assistant secretaries to fill lots of big, important jobs that were personnel decisions. In our case, we didn't have a personnel representative on our agency review team because of just the, like you said, there's only three real near-term appointments. That said, 
well, from what we found uh, being on this team is that there is tremendous interest among people to serve on the board of governors. Uh, I've been around this, this the post office for years and years. I've never seen anything like what we saw in the last six months where people, the, the number of volunteers, people who reached out to the uh, transition to say, to express their interest in serving was really quite astounding. And all of us on the team, you know, we're, we're getting messages and having people reach out to us. And our role in that is fairly limited. What we tried to do was collect all the people that were interested, have discussions about people we think would be good that the administration might want to reach out to and put them all together, you know, and just sort of not really rank them or make any recommendations other than to say, as a group, these are the kinds of people we think uh, would be, could really contribute to the board of governors. So um, I think the, the incoming administration is going to have a lot of good choices uh, for filling those vacancies. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to them doing that. The question always is, is, is when, and it's just, it's always tough when you start a new administration. Um, you've got so many, you know, there's 4,000 jobs to fill. And so where does it rank, you know, those three vacancies on the board of governors? Um, maybe not as urgent as it was, you know, a year and a half ago when there were no members. Uh, you know, right now they have a quorum. And um, so we're, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will, will fill those vacancies and really provide additional um, strategic direction for the Postal Service uh, in the future. Now, I know I, ha- I had a conversation with Chairman Peters this week, and he is pretty uh, – Hot to trot on uh, filling those vacancies as expeditiously as possible. It's just whether or not the president, you know, this is up there um, among the president's priorities in the short term. Right. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for the White House here. I mean, they're coming in probably in the most difficult circumstances, maybe since the Great Depression, if not even the Civil War. The, the complicated sets of, of um, difficult crises facing. The country is pretty, uh, pretty challenging. So uh, I, I think we're just going to have to be patient in the Postal Service. But there's, you know, there's more, you know, we can get as a community get to work on, you know, legislatively uh, strengthening the Postal Service even before they fill those positions. Jim, now, during the process uh, that would have been in December and maybe early, very early January, you met with postal stakeholders, you met with the National Association of Postal Supervisors uh, uh, included among the stakeholders. What impact did these meetings have on the transition team's recommendation to the administration? And as you recall, we shared uh, President President Biden's responses to our can- presidential candidate questionnaire with the team. Were they of any help at all? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that the transition does at the beginning, you know, when they, when they form these teams was to outline all the sort of campaign commitments that the administration has made, the, you know, high, highlighting the, the um, you know, positions that the, the, the campaign took. And they're very extensive. It's a long campaign. You know, there's lots of things to do, you know, lots of un, undone work for over the last several years. Um, but as it turned out, there wasn't really any specific postal commitments in the document, you know, uh, prepared by the campaign itself. However, what we did in our agency review team was to talk to the stakeholders like NAPS uh, and share the campaign questionnaires and commitments that were made by the uh, Biden campaign during the long, uh, all, you know, all during through the electoral campaign. 
And those are very useful because it showed, it, it, it gave us sort of a roadmap of things that we could recommend uh, uh, to, to the transition uh, team, the, the leadership. And that they were, it turned out to be very useful. And the NALC, my union, um, also provided the campaign questionnaire um, uh, to uh, our, the, you know, to the agency review team and absolutely uh, provided a roadmap for us for the kinds of recommendations that we, we were able to make. Final question, Jim. Now, as I, we were talking about the four members of the t- postal team and probably mm-hmm. you had the most experience of all the members with 30 plus years in the postal world. So as a transition team member, did you learn something about the Postal Service during this transition activity that you previously did not know? Yeah, I'm not sure if, I, if that I would say that, but I do want do say one thing though. I did, I did finally appreciate because we talked to so many groups and so many different parties. I did really get an appreciation, even more than I had going into it, just about how valuable the Postal Service is to the country. Um, I mean, the level of gratitude that people feel and the positivity people feel towards the Postal Service, particularly from other branch, other parts of the government. I mean, we in the course of these these meetings, we did lots of meetings with other agency review teams from other parts of the government. So including, for example, with, you know, with the Department of Treasury to talk about financial services or the General Services Administration to talk about vehicles and Know, how, how the government can use its its purchasing power to promote um, you know low emission vehicles and so whenever we do these meetings you know the energy department um, almost always the beginning at the beginning people would say and I, I would get the credit because somehow you know I represent the, the, the large group of workers they would thank me for what the Postal Service has been doing for the country and of course I don't deserve any of the thanks but it's you know it's the men and women in naps and and, and the NELC at the you know down on the front line levels that really deserve all the credit, but the sheer gratitude and support uh, was really kind of surprising. I, you know, I in some ways I feel like the Postal Service has kind of been a beleaguered institution, you know, kind of ignored and taken for granted for so long. And what I think came out of the pandemic and my experience in the transition is that people have a real strong attachment to this institution. They really love it. And they really want to protect it. And so I, I think that left me very hopeful for the future. Yeah, that uh, is re- reassuring based upon the last couple of years of uh, the Postal Service being characterized as a joke mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. postal employees being under constant threat. So I really appreciate uh, the comments and the hard work of the tr- transition team on behalf of the members of NAPS, and I'm sure that on behalf of America, they appreciate your fine work and the work of your, the team you know, led by Ron Stroman and Zav and, um, and Anish uh, for the work they do to protect uh, a, a true American treasure, the United States mm-hmm. Postal Service. I want to thank you, Jim, for uh, joining me today uh, on NAPS Chat. Uh, Jim is the chief of the staff of the NALC. So once again, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Bob. Thanks a lot, Jim. And if you enjoy Naps Chat, please leave a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. And more important, tell your friends to download our podcast and listen in. Be well and safe till next week. I'm gonna send right down and write myself a letter and make believe.
I'm gone.